Hey everyone, welcome back to our podcast of Exploring Italy. I'm Giuseppe. And I'm Sabrina, and welcome back to this week's episode. On this week's episode, we have a very special guest, Lauren, who we actually met a few years ago during an Italian-American happy hour, and we instantly connected. She's actually a former New Yorker and and now a cocktail lover and bar enthusiast living in Rome. She also started her own unique travel service, Davvero Rome, that she'll talk about. So welcome, Lauren. Hi, guys. Thank you for having me. Of course. Thanks for being on it. Well, um, yes, it's definitely interesting time since we've met in person. Yes, Um, that's for sure. And I remember, I think I met you guys right before I moved the first. Yes. Mm -hmm. We didn't really get to hang out as much, but we there was that instant connection. And um, you guys are first generation, but I'm third generation Italian, right? So there's that love of Italy for you know the inside of us, our makeup genetically, and then just the the love and passion for the culture in general um, that a lot of people share that don't have the heritage. So. Um, exactly. So yeah, I'm happy to be here. <clears throat> um, basically, you know that I was going back and forth for a little bit, but in that you know three months here, three months there, I was able to, um, I guess, acquire my citizenship. It was kind of like a birthright. So if you're great grandparents, and I think that's cutting the line. Really, that's it. That's that's probably the point of which you could claim it, um, I became right. a citizen, which helped me because, you know, the back and forth, it's very hard to establish things here. So, and the really, you know, fragmented back and forth, I was able to just kind of put pieces together, but it wasn't until very recently that they all kind of made this thing that um, I launched right before the coronavirus, which is the mm-hmm. matter of <laughs> Good timing. <laughs> But so tell us exactly like what it is, what, I mean, I'm sure before your plans were interrupted, what your like whole vision for it was. I'd lo- okay, I'd love to do that. So, um, so I have the, I had the background of, um, you know, an ad exec, an advertising executive that I worked in New York in almost 10 years. But so I had the, you know, the insights, the kind of, I guess, creative creativity, the marketing, and when I came here, I definitely didn't want to do anything corporate, but I knew it was going to be, you know, um, something in the vein of tourism, hospitality. Mm-hmm. And I re- I just like didn't, you know, I, so I first consulted. I was like a freelance consultant for very small boutique agency, like tour agencies. Mm-hmm. And then I started like seeing like gaps that were missing and I was telling them what to do. And like, you need to do this and you need to do that. So one of the, um, my well, my clients, and then he became my employer, was Eden Walks. And so he was doing all these, like, you know, walking tours, historical tours, but then he did a food tour. And I said at the time, um, you need to do an aperitivo tour because this is very Italian. Like, it's only in Italy you could find an aperitivo. It's a, it's like a social, cultural thing. It's not just like a yeah. food tour. <laughs> and I, I offered to write it for him and even do it for him, and he didn't want to do it. <laughs> So I said, okay, I'll do it on Airbnb experiences in the meantime. So that kind of branched me out into, I guess, uh, the itinerary planning. So all of my clients, half the time I even saw them in real life for the aperitivo tour, I had been talking to them the whole time. I like planned their whole trip. 
while they were here. One I sent to Naples before I even saw them. I was like, you have to go to get pizza here. And so when I saw them, it was just like I had been communicating. I was like their, you know, resident local or personal. Definitely. Yeah. And, and then it was those clients that were like, you need to do this as like the real job. And I said, okay, well, what is that? Yep. You know, concierge, mm-hmm. but I don't want to plan hotels and, and flights and all that. So it kind of was like a, something that didn't really exist because I, I was basically creating the itinerary, but I had found all these partners in other work that I was doing that was like the real version of things. And that was, that was the other thing like that um, the Vero Rome was born out of was I was like looking on Airbnb experiences, like how to mark, how to even word my experience because they kind of, you know, they need different categories. And I found like mm-hmm. all of these experiences were not really authentic and they weren't given by Italians. And right. really mm-hmm. upset me, like personally, I was like, that's disgusting. Like all these people, you could see also with the reviews, they were like, you know, they were kind of using the Italian and as the middleman, but you know, unfortunately a lot of Italians aren't familiar with that platform and they're not as entrepreneurial naturally, I guess. So Mm-hmm. just being the middleman and i i thought like this is this should not be the case like there's no mm-hmm. reason they need to be in the middle they're the ones that everyone wants to see so i had a lot of free time back then and i literally found i went through the entire thing and i found the real version of everything that's amazing oh, i mean <laughs> it's you know it's really nice what you've done and what you have right now considering you know a lot of people like you had a job in the city manhattan and you know just to change your life completely and move out to rome it's something that's really great and honestly like usually people don't really go from living in the u.s to move to italy to find the job it's usually the other way around yeah but what you did is something really extraordinary extraordinary and honestly like you know kudos to you like great job thank you Giuseppe. thank you guys and it's really cool that like you also have like both cultures and even like the language barriers like you're working through like someone who I'm sure you have like clients that speak both languages or only speak one of the languages. So at least, you know, you have the upper hand that you can communicate with them if they speak English and then the business owners when they speak Italian. So you yeah. really guide them in the right direction as well. Yeah. And I'm, that was the other thing. I, I just wanted to be the connector. And then it was my, the part the travel experiences partner. So one, like one of the people I found was like this horse uh, riding experience in Ostia Antica. And she's very fluent in, in, in English. And she was like, wow. you need to do, you know, these, you need to offer the service of, yes, I could plan the itinerary and connect you with people but also you, you have to include an option of you're going to go with them. And I'm, and I'm like, right. Why? Mm-hmm. You, you speak Italian, English, like they're going to take the train and you pick them up. And she gave me another insight that I wouldn't have known about, like that, not that they're scared or lazy, that they just like the comfort of having like a local there the whole time. So um, I was like, all right, I'll put this third option, but I don't think it's going to, you know, even be appealing because it was like I did my hours for the day. It was like, you know, 20 years an hour. Right. And my first yeah. paying mm-hmm. client took that option. Wow. <laughs> and it was just That's to take great. them around the Vatican. So I basically hand delivered them to my, you know, former boss, but like former mm-hmm. client. And then I just waited for them for three hours, took them to Aperitivo and 
<laughs> and at the end of the experience, they were like, you didn't charge enough for that. Wow. You see, and like throughout all of this, you're also learning. Yeah. Like how to move forward too. And it's great that people are being honest with you too. And like, not, I'm sure there are those that probably take advantage of it, but then you made like the connections with people that they're being honest with you and saying, Hey, listen, this is worth much more just, especially just for your time is worth so much more. Yeah. Yeah. And, but it, I mean, it's, it was a little, it's been a little tricky because it really doesn't exist. So I don't have any benchmarks, but then it's been reassuring from the clients that the past clients, even for the aperitivo tour that I did, they were the ones that helped me throughout this whole process and even identify what it was and, you know, do trial and error. So they've been, a key and also the partners they were the ones like so it's, um, it's amazing how that all kind of came together sometimes it's just like serendipity yes yes yeah and and the cocktail thing too that was another completely different uh avenue but it kind of intersects and works completely well with the van yeah yeah, exactly. Especially yeah. because it's like Italy is known for their aperitivo. So like it, it, you're totally right with what you're saying. Like you have to have some sort of tour like that. Yeah. But yeah. So <laughs> going back to um, in the midst of all of this, um, you're starting your company and everything, and then all of a sudden, Italy gets hit really hard with coronavirus. Can you tell us about like your experience when this first came? to Italy like what you thought was going to happen and then like what your actual experience was yeah so that that was really it's been quite surreal because at first it was just Milan and um right. it was yeah. very like okay we technically in Rome we had our case our first case of corona in like January 31st but it was okay not a big deal they were they went to the hospital and then they were they were gone um mm-hmm. and then I guess in, I would say like mid to end of February, the Milan was getting a little bit, like the Lombardia region was getting a little concerning and they shut down for a few days. And this was just really weird in retrospect, even thinking about it again, they shut down all nightlife and restaurants and bars and like put a curfew on Milan for two or three days. And at that point, I actually, there was like a movement with the bar people. It was called Keep Milano Alive. And we just thought it was like, this is crazy. You're targeting the bars and the restaurants for something that isn't a big deal. Why aren't you closing everything down? You're not, you're not like regulating anything. You're just telling people they can't go out to dinner and drink. And then they reopened Milan. (laughs) And then my friends came to Rome and then it was fine. And then all of a sudden it got, uh, I guess came to a head again and they like shut down um, Milan again. And then it was like, Rome felt the effects right away. We were like still technically open, but we felt like literally a difference because people were stuck in Rome that were living in Milan and Milan living in Rome. And so for those three days, we were just like, what the hell is going on? And there were bars that closed. It was like almost like a a few days of like, okay. And they announced like the Coliseum and the Vatican were going to close for an a period of time and then all the restaurants were like should we stay open and so a few actually closed before the lockdown and then they all locked down uh i, I think he made conti made the announcement the 8th of march mm-hmm. and yeah, into the ninth. and i was living out because i was looking for an apartment during this time great timing again 
I was living in a B&B, which I, it would have been fine, but I literally didn't have a kitchen, no access to a kitchen and no TV. So the next day I was like, oh my God. And luckily I'm not really for him, but he, my good friend was managing a and b apartment in the area. And he's like, you have to come over here. Yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah, that was wow. March and you know, no one really knew it was going to be that long at all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, we also here as well over here in the States, but I mean, I, I would say it's very similar. I mean, I know everyone in Italy, Milan was at one point the epicenter where, I mean, it was spreading from Milan. They were yeah. saying like everyone was getting their cases because of traveling. Like people were going back home to southern yeah. italy central italy um it's the same like how pretty much spread it over here in the states i mean new york there was a case out here i mean there originally i believe there's a case out in uh washington on the west coast but then i mean once new york got hit um i, I mean they didn't get hit till like a month after but then it just started spreading and people started getting concerned and they started traveling out of yeah. new york and next thing you know it all 50 states had at least a case of coronavirus and honestly no one thought the same like with italy i don't think anyone thought that it would last as long as it currently is lasting right Mm -hmm. now um it just seemed surreal like even when we first heard the news back here uh we here we were just not laughing and not daunting about we were like okay italy seems to be a little bit over dramatic with what they're doing closing down bars Mm -hmm. restaurants uh, no no uh, sports matches for who knows how long at the time. But then when you realize how serious it was becoming and how many people were dying, and then little by little, the same exact thing that was happening to Italy was happening here in the States, then you start to get worried. Like, you would never think um, Coliseum and all these other iconic landmarks would be closed for so never. long. And again, it's just like yeah. things that are open 24-7 are closed. And that's when it gets really scary and it was like the same thing over here it was like little by little things were closing and little by little there was more restrictions and now when you think back it's like wow like they really should have closed everything i know or not i know from my perspective okay i'm not saying italy handled it well but they really didn't have a benchmark at the time they you know it was left so long quiet no one knew what was going on and you know locking down the country opening it like a region opening it back up and then locking it down where honestly a lot of these people knew they weren't going to have a job so they went back to their houses so they actually spread it quicker than any other way and would have been you know never would have been in this small town in Puglia ever but this guy from Rome went had to go home so but I I totally forgot that they like opened. Like I forgot that they closed Close the region and, and then opened. Yeah, it was like, uh, whoops. Okay, it's fine. And then, yeah. but for me, I was like telling everyone when it got to that point, I was like, guys, stop going out. Like it, it and it happened. Yeah. The U.S. was maybe last, but it was like Spain, France. They were pretending it was not a big yeah. deal, and I was just like over and over again seeing like the repeated patterns of what not to do. And I was like, no, don't model it after Italy. because They didn't do the best thing, but they like really didn't have a choice, I guess. Right. Right. But I feel like after they did it, like they did the, the right yeah. thing. You know what I mean? Like yeah. once they, once he announced that they were closing and on lockdown, that's really when 
you know, everybody should like, especially the the countries that are surrounding Italy. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, um, Italy really did set the example for the, pretty much the rest of the world. I mean, we'll, we'll exclude, I believe, Sweden and mm-hmm. we'll exclude uh, South Korea because they really didn't lock down uh, fully like Italy did. And they still were able to manage to do what they had to do. But Italy really laid the foundation for what should be done uh, for Spain, for France, for Germany. And at first, like what you said, they took it very lightly. And then little by little, their numbers just hit an all new high. The same with the States, United States, you know, at first everyone thought it was just a joke. People were still going to restaurants in the beginning, middle of March when the numbers were doubling every day. Yeah, it was almost like, especially what we noticed over here, like that last weekend before the lockdown, like everybody was just going out to like almost like celebrate the last yeah. time they should go out. Meanwhile, it should have been like the opposite. I know yeah. it was. It was like that everywhere. I think you know that's maybe yeah. a general human nature of some sort. I don't know. Backfire. Yeah, I mean, it's true. Yeah, definitely. So, and now, like going back to the lockdown, like your lockdown was a lot stricter than. Yeah, we were the. Right? I think maybe besides the that town where. It, it was at first identified in China, we were the worst because we had to fill out a form to leave the house and we could only leave the house. Like, and that was kind of the, the most, I don't even know how to describe it. It was like the most disturbing thing for me because I don't know, and I'm ashamed to admit this. I don't speak Italian very well yet. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. it's, uh, no, it's so it was a little scary to like have to, you know, be, in a conversation like that with the cops because they were, you had to have this form and it had to be filled out and it had to be for these reasons, which was the supermarket or a pharmacy and that's it. And so we weren't allowed to go out. Like, you know, people were talking about dog walking. Yes, there were a lot of people walking their dogs more maybe, but for, for the most part, like they, we weren't leaving. Like the Italians really didn't leave. Um, and is it true that, Let's say, I mean, I know down south, like I know my family, Sabrina's family too, whenever they would go out to do the shopping and whatnot, they weren't allowed to leave the city that they're from. I'm not sure if that was also the same case. Uh, oh, no, we home. weren't allowed to leave our quarter, like our neighborhood. Yes. Yeah, so wow. yeah, so when I oh moved, I luckily moved in Trasevere, but then wow. I actually moved again because the place didn't have a, a window, really. So I was like, oh my God, this is going to be a little longer. And I found a place in another quartiere, like another district in Rome called Monte. And I, you know, I had the contract. Luckily, it was like a four month short contract, but I, sh- I shouldn't have been moving at all. And so they like, imagine like being in wow. Brooklyn, you couldn't leave Bensonhurst. Yeah, so it was like basically like you couldn't go from no, no, not at all. That's, I mean, I I assume because in your case, Rome it's way larger than just a tiny town down in Campania or Calabria. So I I could see why they did it by pretty much zip code. But still, I mean, I don't know how we could do it here. Like that would never ever be able to work by us here. Like, you know, I can't imagine being just quarantine yeah. just in Bensonhurst and not being able to get out of there like there's only so much you can do so wow but that was That's across crazy. all of Italy like you couldn't leave your neighborhood and even if you and then there was like you know 
the hours for the supermarket were limited. You had to wait. I mean, that that's the case everywhere now. Like you can only go every few days, one person, a family. Right. Um, Right. But it was um, it was pretty strict. And for me, I was a little that was a little nerve wracking because, I, of course, I stick out like a sore thumb. Um, <laughs> well, especially going from like you said, like living in New York. I mean, of course, we're going through it, too, but it's nowhere near as strict as that. So even just getting used to, yeah. to that is is in fact, we're still not able to leave the region like the region borders did not open up yet. They're opening the third. So like. I can't even see oh, that. Wow. So now, do you think that now when these regions open up, it's sort of like scary that like a new wave is going to come because people are moving through regions? Or do you think like Italy kind of has it down pat? Well, okay. So it's a little, this is a little crazy to me because they had been talking about like going from so strict to like a phased approach and the phases were like up until like three weeks ago, they were talking about May 3rd was the day that we could leave without a piece of paper. And then also to like, Mm -hmm. I could visit my relatives, but only to a certain level of relatives. And I had, like, I don't know how they were going to prove that if I was walking, like, I don't, I don't carry my family tree where I go, Um, but I couldn't even see my friends on May 3rd. I still, all I could do was walk around and not even, it was like for singular exercise. That was May 3rd. So it went, okay, I was allowed to take a walk, but I wasn't allowed to linger anywhere. Mm -hmm. And so, and I, I, um, you know, like I kind of actually, wait, I still, you know, you still needed the form on May 3rd. Sorry. May 3rd, I could just leave for a Mm -hmm. walk that wasn't to go grocery shopping and mm-hmm. I could pretend I was exercising, which I, I do walk very fast, like a New Yorker, so it looked like I was. <laughs> but uh, then May 18th was supposed to be like the, um, some retail um, and, no, wholesale, and then you could go see your relatives. And then they were talking about June 1st being bars, restaurants, and beauty centers. And then yeah. literally overnight, Conti said everything will be open on the 18th. <laughs> yeah, I remember. I remember a lot of people were confused about that. Like, I think was it May third? Was that like you could see your family, and then like if you were in a serious relationship, you could see like your significant other, but like you couldn't see your friends or something um, like that. I like I, May third was just um, I could take a walk and I could maybe see. I don't even think I could have seen family, but May 18th was, I didn't need a paper, but I still couldn't see friends. I, mm-hmm. I, I still needed to see um, other people. And then they switched it to, you could okay. see anyone and then you could, um, you could go to the bars and the restaurants, but it was just like, literally it wasn't official until like the day before. And yeah. so a lot of the restaurants were just really preparing for the takeaway service because that's what they were planning yeah. to do. And then they, I guess there was a lot of, um, you know, protesting. That no, I mean, like, no one got any of the money yet. <laughs> That's the other thing. So I oh think they were feeling the pressure from all these restaurants and shops. Like, you, we need to do something. But even, you know, opening up for takeaway, or even right now, it's like one-third capacity. And 
Yeah, I know. It's just insane. So they weren't, so the restaurants weren't even allowed to do like pickups. Some were able to do delivery. Um, but a lot of restaurants said like, it just doesn't even pay because we can't, we can't open up the restaurant. And then a lot of them were like, I think scared to open up and like not qualify for this, um, government help. Yeah. Wow. That's um, true. and the bars, they were trying to do takeaway, but the, the laws don't allow for takeaway of, of open containers here. I know in New York, they don't either, but they, I think they switched the law really quickly to help them. Yes, they yeah, very quickly. Yeah. They so, I mean, there's a lot, um, there were a lot of challenges and there still are. So like the bars and restaurants, some of them are open and some of them weren't, they didn't even want to open. Some of them haven't opened, but some of them are trying to see what other people, how they're, how they're doing before they open. So yeah. uh, I've been on like a bar and restaurant crawl. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but... <laughs> I mean, do you now, with everything that's opening up again and Italy might be opening up their borders to every country, hopefully by the summertime, um, do you see what, what's the future of tourism? Like, I feel like that's the biggest challenge now for Italy and having people travel because, as we know, Italy might be opening up, but it's also because Italy is also a few steps yeah. ahead of other countries. And now, what is their goal? I mean, what are they going to do now, pretty much? like? Well, so uh, when they opened up on May 18th, they were saying that June 3rd would be the day that they open up the borders, the regional borders of Italy, and also Italy to the entire right. United uh, European Union. And I thought, I mean, that's a little crazy mm -hmm. because, like, you know, everyone's saying we need two weeks to vet, like, what happens after we open up our neighborhoods and then yeah. to bring everyone in Italy to circulate again and then open it up to the EU, which is not, yeah, like that could be phased a little bit better, but they reneged on that as of, again, nothing official, but they definitely are, are not doing that on the third. Um, so we could travel okay. between region. They're talking about maybe June 15th. So there's always like this two week delay um, so far, mm -hmm. and again, like I'm not really a hundred percent sure. I don't like look at the numbers on a daily basis, like some of my friends do, but it hasn't been that many cases that since opening, um, yeah. but you know, I don't know, like if they did open up the, the borders for EU on June 15th, it, it would have to mean that everyone else is on the same page. So if they can't leave, then no one's coming to Italy anyway. So it's a very tricky right. situation that I'm I'm trying to understand for okay not even my business but like I would say 85% of my friends and loved ones here are in the hospitality tourism sector so I want to figure out how to help fill the bars and the restaurants but then the other problem is it's you can't fill a bar in a restaurant right now so bar can't you know yeah. can't even seat everyone these sending people away the other one probably won't reopen because it's like near a huge landmark and no one that's really roman goes there so i'm like trying to find a way okay which ones could i help maybe with using the expats community and then also i wrote uh like i put together a survey a few days ago like i wrote it a, about a month ago but again i was seeing the situation modifying the questions just to get the idea of like okay when this is all 
over maybe I mean like quote unquote yeah. you're well how are you yeah. how you're psych how are you psychologically feeling <laughs> or even physically about wanting to travel again so I put a 10 question survey together I sent it to mainly my past clients and now I'm I'm thinking of just sending it to everyone because I want to just see what what mm. the what the situation will be I mean yeah right I mean, I mean, honestly, would you feel comfortable having people come into your city, let's say in July, thousands of people from out of the country are coming in? I mean, yes, it's great because, you know, it helps tourism, of course. But do you feel comfortable now living in Rome, knowing that there's a potential of another outbreak? Like, what is your take on that? Well, Okay, so July, I would like to think we might have a better handle on something, some things. And also, the I, I believe the warmer temperature with these types of viruses does kind of reduce the credibility. But it hasn't been right. this cold in Rome since I, yeah, like it's like almost fall here. I was like, great. <laughs> okay. Hmm. <laughs> but oh I mean, if I, I was very vocal about if they open up on June 3rd, I would tell my clients never to come here because right now they can't handle the, the groups and the gatherings of Romans in their area of living. So um, how are you expecting to open up to all their Italians who now can't go anywhere? I used to go to like different countries for Fedagusto. Now they have to stay in Italy. They'll have to go to each other's regions. But like, I wouldn't want a client that saved up their money and dreamt about Italy to come to the situation that is right now, which is, you know, it's police, like standing there, making sure we don't get close to each other. That's not, that's not a good situation. So, I mean, they're not wow. doing anything, but they have been finding people. So like, what is, you know, I don't want to, I would never have my clients come here and, and maybe feel that, that, that yeah. I don't even know that, that. Yeah. Or like feel scared. I mean, like police presence is not a, a great uh, warm and fuzzy feeling, especially when traveling. <laughs> Yeah, especially yeah. when you're like yeah. on vacation, like dreaming to go to Italy, like your whole life, and I, you know, yeah. I also, I don't. I feel like um, also this whole thing we're wearing masks as well. Like, yes, it's you know, you everyone should wear it. I guess if it's gonna help prevent the spread. But like, can you imagine going to Italy in July or August wearing a mask when it's so hot and humid? Oh, just like, I don't want to oh think goodness. about that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I just hope, yeah. I hope that like they do find that the warm weather doesn't like spread it that much at least outside hopefully yeah. they won't have to wear them but I could understand like going into a store especially if the stores are so much smaller in Italy um, well right now the rules are and but... Lombardia is slightly different it's mandatory to wear a mask even in the street mm -hmm. here if you could keep a distance mm -hmm. of one meter, you don't need to wear a mask. But when you go into a restaurant or a retail oh. shop or a bar um, and like interacting with staff or even going to the bathroom, you have to wear a mask. But if you have a table, mm -hmm. you could take your mask off. And but oh, the other part is you have to keep the meter distance. So like, OK, they're slashing the, you know, the clientele into one thirds, but also if you're like me and you used to go out to dinner alone, I wouldn't do that right now because I'm wasting a table for two. And they're putting two, a table. They're putting a party of two at a table of four. So, yeah. Oh wow.
Okay, that well, that's interesting. Wow. And what about if you're outdoor, like at a bar outside or or outdoor dining? Do you have to keep the mask on? Or only when you only walk like in, or in? even when you basically when you stand up, you put your mask on. And when you're passing through, even outdoors. So, but again, in the beginning, I feel like people were not 100% clear on the rules because we went to a, a club type bar restaurant. And we had just been to a restaurant and we were like, okay, when we get off the table, we go to the bathroom, we have to put the mask on. But when we get to our table with our party, we don't need it. Mm-hmm. And at this bar, we had to put it on the whole time. So, you know, that was the first few days. Now, wow. I think it's more understandable. Um, it's just that a lot of these streets, though, are very small. So if you're walking through an alley... What do you, uh, you know, and then also the Italians are always smoking and drinking yeah. outside. So it's like you really yeah. can't, it, you'd have to like really uh, try to avoid it. And it's very yeah. difficult. And you know how we're talking about, you know how the Italians are very sociable, touchy feely beings. So it's very like for me, everyone's like, oh, you could get out. And I was like, yeah, but you don't understand. Like, everyone just wanted to hug each other when they come out of this. And it was like traumatic for every, like you could see that they're like, oh. <laughs> yeah, like they can't do it. You like could get fined. Yeah. 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 You're not allowed to oh like publicly. God. I mean, like, I, I don't know the rules if you're married. I don't know. You could do that, but I mean, people will look right. at you sideways. So that's, that's the psychological thing, which right now it's, it's actually enforced. So it, it is oh, like yeah. an, a, a restriction, like legality, but yeah. So <laughs> it's a interesting times, but they're so positive. I oh, mean, they're, yeah. <laughs> they're just, uh, I don't know, like they're, the Italians were the ones, and I never told anyone, especially my bartender friends, I was never expressing these concerns but they were the ones like it's going to be fine and if not what are we going to do about it we have we're going to get through it because we have to so yeah but i just hope that all these restaurants and the, this like tourism thrives really once we're done with all of this and you know we can't wait to yeah you know, to well that's the great again. part about it it's <laughs> like I've only had a few responses, like 35, but everyone, and I'm not even talking about people because now I sense it to my friends, but everyone wants to come back to Italy. Like mm-hmm. Italy is like number one, even if it was number yeah. two, everyone's just like, we need to come back there. Like the clients that actually booked before this and they had to cancel had three clients coming. They're like, we're just waiting to be able to travel again. So everyone yeah. loves Italy and they'll always come back. Um, just a matter of when. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's almost yeah. like a void that's like missing. Like we were saying, like if we're if like let's say like this thing is actually like quote unquote done or like a lot better than it is today. Like we're even hoping to be able to come at like the end of August, but we're just yeah waiting it out. Right I now. would like to stay positive and think August could be the new Fedagusta where Italians have a staycation opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> I know, and then I could maybe go out to dinner in the month of August somewhere. <laughs> yeah. yeah, hopefully, 
But thank you again, Lauren, for being on this with us. I feel like we actually got like some inside information. <laughs> yeah, we did. Well, it changes by the minute. So I'm always here if you want to just shoot me a message on the latest yeah. updates. <laughs> Will do. And can you tell our listeners where they can follow you or your travel? Yeah, so I have um, a Zavero Rome. Zavero, as you know, means really like really Rome or Rome for real. I have mm-hmm. uh, com, and then I have an Instagram and a Facebook, Devero Rome. And uh, sorry. Perfect. Perfect. And we'll list yes, it down and, um, below. Because well of my cocktail adventures, I'm kind of contemplating a, another whatever, but I'm not ready to announce that yet. But if you want to, see all the cocktails my regular facebook is just that so it's you know it's all the cocktail places and drinks and amazing things that rome and italy in general have to offer Sounds good. We'll live and when you guys come here i'll take you around <laughs> Yes, yeah. sounds good. We sounds can't good. wait. <laughs> Definitely can't wait for that. Okay, well, guys. Great again, talking to you. Soon. Thank you again for having me. You too. Right. Ciao, ciao. Thanks again. Thanks. Thank you, everyone, for tuning into this week's podcast. If you haven't yet done so, please follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Our Instagram handle is exploring.italy, and our Facebook handle is exploring.italia. Thank you again for tuning in and uh, have a good one, guys. Take care. Thank you. Bye. Bye.